from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. For Radio Andy on Sirius XM from the headquarters of World of Wonder on Hollywood Boulevard, it's the Wow Report, where each week we count down the top 10 things that make us go wow. wow! Yes, I'm Fenton Bailey, co-founder of World of Wonder. Thrilled to be joined by the twisted mind of RuPaul's Drag Race, one of them at least, Tom Campbell. Hello, Fenton. And you, hello, hello. Pause up, pause up. And <laughs> no less twisted mind of James St. James Editor of our blog, The Wow Report. How do you do? How are you? Best-selling I'm author. Fabulous. Well, well, so, you know, this weekend, it's the VMAs, MTV's VMAs. Do you know, uh, I think MTV started in August 1981. So yes. it's 35 years old. And, and back in the day, they used to, uh, <laughs> used to show music videos. So we thought today, this week, we'd do the top 10 things that made us go, wow, our top ten favorite music videos of, of all time. time. Uh, yes. History. <laughs> so, okay, without further ado, Tom, number ten. Number ten. At number ten, I have chosen Paul Abdul's Straight Up, oh. which was released in November 1988. And I've picked it for a lot of reasons. First of all, this is the preface for which we all have discussed. It's so hard out of the thousands of music <laughs> videos that have changed our lives to pick Ten, three each, really. But I picked Paula for a couple of reasons. I think that Paula Abdul is one of those unique artists who's incredibly talented, but was made by the music video. Like mm. music video, and like Paula's music is great and catchy, but without those visuals, I don't know that she would be a star today. Was it her first music video? Interestingly, it was not. Now I have a history with Paula Abdul. She, she, uh, it was off of her first and mega album for Every Year Girl, but she'd had a, a single called Knocked Out. Oh yeah, and then they released um, the way that you love me, but not the one you think. Mm -hmm. And so, it, and I have a history. And I'm going to tell you about it because I used to work at Gallon Morey, Sandy Gallon's office, as an uh. assistant. <laughs> one of my first jobs. I love these. And stories. my boss was Barry Josephson, very successful manager at the time, and now producer. And I'm not saying it was a difficult boss, but the movie Swimming with Sharks that <laughs> Kevin Spacey was written by one of his assistants that followed me. Oh, oh my god. He. <clears throat> um, had been dating Paula Abdul when she was a choreographer, when she worked with Janet Jackson. And, and so she was a client, like a choreography client. And they were dating. And sometimes it was on, sometimes it was off. And I would have this phone. I had to manage this phone. It'd be like, Barry Josephson's office, please hold. Barry Josephson's office, please hold. Barry Josephson's office, please hold. And it would be like, Barry Diller, Whoopi Goldberg, and then Paula. And she was often upset. <laughs> oh, oh, is Barry God. there? And I called her, and I said this with love because I love you, Paula Abdul. I've seen her not too long ago. I called her Calamity Paula because she always had like a neck brace or something. Was always like, <laughs> she injured herself, which, but at the same time, she was at the same exact time choreographing the most iconic music videos of our life. And I just thought, like, wow, it just blew my mind. So um, she had got a single contract from Virgin Records. And I thought, wow, is that how the, because I'm like 22 thinking I know everything about the music industry. And I'm like, oh, is that how you get a single contract? By being Paul Abdul, from dating a manager, from knowing people, from choreographing. And I thought, she'll never be a star. I'm like, Janet Jackson, <laughs> Janet, again, prescient I am. Janet Jackson had spawned, Jody Watley had spawned Pebbles. Like I thought this whole kind of trend of the, you know, the, 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 the lightly dark-skinned girl, you know, whispering songs was gonna be over. Well, she broke up with Barry. She left the management company. She came back six months later. They were friendly. And she played for him, Forever My Girl, the album, 
and I listened to it through the conference door wall. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit, this is a really good album. But I thought, no, no, no it's over. It's not going to happen. And she released Knocked Out, which was kind of like her, the music video was her at the beginning of a V kind of dancing and like harem pants. And it was just like, not a hit. And then The Way That You Love Me, which was remade later, not a hit. And I thought, I'm right. I, I know what makes a superstar. <laughs> I know Diana Ross. I know all these divas. And Paul Abdul, you are not a diva. And then the video for Straight Up came mm. out. And it blew me away. I literally called the record company and got the VHS. It's edited in a way. David Fincher directed it. I love that. It's... VHSs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she starts off tap dancing. Yes. Right. Uh-huh. So I cl- thought that was interesting. Because <laughs> she's a classically trained dancer. And then it's one of those things where it was kind of the first video where it wasn't. She was a credible dancer. And the editing and the imagery also danced. Right. Right. But anyway. it was also black and white. Yes. That was also kind of shocking. It was it not, not basic is the wrong word. It was it was simple or minimal. It wasn't, it wasn't the sort of extravaganza of spectacle that we've come to associate with so many. It was with Paula. It was yeah. lo-fi. I mean, yes. she went on to do, you know, uh, the way that you love me, which they, they remade the video, made it, you know, forever your girl, girl. cold hearted, hearted uh, snake, opposites track with, you know, with MC Scat Cat. <laughs> yes, because that was very much Cool World, right? The, uh-huh. the, the sort of where animation meets reality. And, it was um, around the time of Roger Rabbit, I think, is sort oh, of... Oh, sorry. Yes, absolutely. And Cold Hearted Snake was very footloose, wasn't it? It was like... <laughs> uh-huh. And, and Fosse, too, yes. yes. But so, Paul Abdul, who, who, who a couple years ago was on Drag Race, and I was able to reunite with her, because she thinks about me a lot. Not, um, <laughs> she is forever your girl. <laughs> she is. She, she uh, you know... That's why she's my number 10. I'm not, the personal history, but I also, uh, and we encourage you to watch all these videos on YouTube. If you watch it again, I think it holds up. I think it really... Uh, it's an amazing video. Yeah, you can check out all the videos on uh, today's top 10 and more because we couldn't fit them all <laughs> in, in a, a, on the WOW report. And we've also done a special YouTube uh, playlist. So, James, what's at number nine? Number nine. I chose uh, Duran Duran Rio, okay? Okay. This, to me, this is <laughs> when the 80s started, okay? <laughs> this is when it all started coming together. When we first realized what the 80s were going to be, it was going to be about fashion. It was going to be about art. It was going to be about music all together in one place. We had before that – I was living in Michigan. <laughs> I was living in a little town in Michigan where there was absolutely nothing going on, right? I didn't know what was happening. Can you imagine James in Michigan? Let's just close <laughs> right, our eyes right, for right. a minute. That, that is a whole okay, show. Back little <laughs> 14-year-old Jimmy Clark in Michigan, right? <laughs> And we'd seen on MTV, we'd seen a flock of seagulls, we'd seen the buggles, we'd seen madness, and we knew that there was something brewing on the other side of the pond. But this was that sort of tipping point. This was that watershed moment where all of a sudden we saw that this was going to be about boys. It was going to be yeah. about hot boys in like lipstick. And it was, yes. you know, we'd there had been glam rock and there had been Bowie and all that. But that was like that was. Underground. That was sort of off to the side. This is they were forefront. They were the mainstream they were front in that mainstream, time. front and center. Yeah. And it was uh I remember there's so many things that were new that that, we, that I was seeing for the first time. This was the first time that we saw mullets, okay? <laughs> You're saying this is where the mullet came from. This is what, when you look at oh it, this God. is where you see <clears throat> John Taylor yeah. had a mullet. And I remember uh uh going to the barber and explaining to him that I wanted it short here, but then long here. And he kept saying, short and then long? 
And I would say, yeah, yeah. And then it's long in the back. And he'd be like, but it's short in the back. And I'd be like, it's both. And like, I remember wearing it to school and everyone's like, did he forget to cut your hair? <laughs> like, like nobody understood. And I kept saying, no, it's like Tears for Fears. It's like Duran Duran. Another thing that we saw for the first time was John Taylor is wearing, or was it Nick? I can't remember. He's wearing a red jacket with a t-shirt underneath. And that was like, my mind was blown. Like, a t-shirt underneath a jacket? <laughs> Boing. What is that? <laughs> and it was, it was like the first time we were seeing like high-low coming together. Uh-huh. It was the first time we'd seen Versace. It was the first time we'd seen like, it was these boys on yachts on a yacht. in Sri well, Lanka. It's so interesting that you have only just gotten to the yacht bit. Because to <laughs> me, that whole video is like yachts whole, in, in Antigua, in the Caribbean, <laughs> sweetie, in their Anthony Price suits. I mean... It, you know, and I think Roger Taylor, is it Roger Taylor? Yeah. He apparently said he hates boats. And the only <laughs> thing they're good for is tying them up and drinking cocktails on them because he got really seasick. But I think you have to give credit to the director, Russell Mulcahy. Oh, yeah. Because he really, he's the gay Aussie with the vision. And um, he directed many of their videos, Save a Prayer and, um, oh, Wild uh, Boys, the biggest extravaganza of them all. And, and, and Hungry Like the Wolf, where they're in yes. Stromanka there, too. Yes. yes. And the Wild Boys thing was his was the based on the William Burroughs homoerotic mm-hmm. novel. But, uh, you know, bearing a, the connection, Russell yeah. Mulcahy, directs MTV's Teen Wolf. Did you know that? Oh, oh. yes. Uh-huh. James, you didn't, like, that's your favorite show I of all time. There, there was, oh, like, a, a connection right yes. there. But, you know, like, going Very back hot. to that whole thing of that all of a sudden we have with, with Rio, with Duran Duran, that opens the door for Human League, Spandau Ballet, Kaja Gugu, Talk Talk, uh, uh, Modern English, Eurythmics, Thomas, Dol- Thomas Dolby, and, of course, it all leads up to Culture Club, which is coming. But without without this doorway, without this gateway, we wouldn't have had all of that other madness that was that was coming up. And it's really it, – it, it takes me right back to being 14 years old in Michigan and just seeing the world open up in front mm. of me right there. Well, my number eight takes me back two years earlier. Number eight. Because that was 82, Rio. Mm -hmm. And my number eight is Ashes to Ashes, David Bowie. Such a spectacular video. But like you, James, I mean, I was a little older, but I was just sort of just almost in my teens still. Not in Michigan. (laughs) Not in in Gosport. (laughs) Rivet, Gosport, Portsmouth, England, riveted by this video. And I'll describe, I mean, the first thing you notice is there's a black sky. And then there's David Bowie, but you don't recognize David Bowie because he's on a beach. And beside, he's, oh, you don't recognize him because he's on a beach in a clown outfit, this enormous, extravagant clown outfit. And beside him is a lady who looks like his mother. And then flanking him are these sort of weird nun-type characters who are actually Blitz Kids' new romantics. And they're scooping the ground as they walk along the beach. And behind them is a fucking bulldozer. I mean, the whole thing was just, what the fuck is going on? It was, it was amazing. It was so potent. It wasn't like you wanted to joke off to it, but you were having some kind of visually orgasmic moment. And years ago, we made a, a, a series for VH1, um, Video Killed the Radio Star, of course, History of the Music Video. Yes. And we, introdu- we interviewed uh, 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 Mallet, who directed it, and he said... And this is true of so many of those early music videos. You know, Bowie said, I want to be dressed as a clown. And Mallet said, oh, I just did something with a black sky and it looked pretty good. And then Bowie thought of, let's put someone who looks like my mother. And then Mallet said, oh, I met the Blitz kids. I met Steve Strange. Let's use him. And then, you know, 
And out of that comes this incredible scene. It just plays in my eyes. It's like something out of a nightmare, but it's also it's it's that sort of thunderbolt that that happens to yes. you where you realize the possibility of what what can video can do. Also radical was the narrative disconnection. I think no one had visually made these things that were so surrealist and data. And when you put a beat to it, when you put it to music, it's like a narcotic. It really was that powerful. I have me. a confession to make. Until this morning, I'd never seen David. I don't Bowie's understand how that's possible. I don't know. I grew up in New Hampshire. Maybe that explains it. I don't know. Well, you know, there was a time before MTV. I mean, hard for many of our listeners to even conceive of such a thing. But in 1980, I was in London staying with my brother, who was very cool. He was an architect. And he said, oh, let's go to this pub. And the pub was called The Sound and Vision. And the reason it was called The Sound and Vision was because they had a video jukebox. And it cost 50p, which would be like, <laughs> you know, 10 bucks today. <laughs> 50p to play. And you could play... Ashes to Ashes, the video. And it was like this very sceney. You talk about something going on over the pond. It was. And they were either down at the Blitz Club or they were in the Sound and Vision pub playing music videos. Well, I do remember that um, uh, that was the first time we Boy George, because I remember Boy George was the one in the nun's outfit. And, uh, oh, right. yeah, he's in the video? He's in the video, and Steve Strange is and with Steve him, too. Strange. And they they had just, they didn't know Bowie. I remember there's, oh, like, they've been interviewed about this before, mm. but they were sort of just brought in to do the video. But that was the first time we had seen that there uh, this Blitz Club that was happening, and, and this new look, this right. new, like, the, the idea that there was just something new bubbling up that was going to come to the forefront very soon. Steve Strange went on to have one of my favorite hits of all time, Fade to Grey. Oh, and yeah. A fabulously pretentious, atmospheric, <laughs> love it classic video, Devenir en Cris. I think it was the most expensive video of the time. So Bowie was a real pioneer, and he had the clout and superstardom to sort of right. get people to invest in this new medium. That's absolutely right, because this was before music video. So we've got to take a break. We'll be right back. And in fact, I'm going to ask a trivia question, oh, fun. which is... Not a very hard one, but what do you think is acknowledged really as the first music video, not ever, but of the modern era? We'll be right back. This is Radio Andy, Sirius XM, The Wow Report. You're listening to World of Wonders, Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to The Wow Report. I'm Fenton Bailey. I'm joined by Tom Campbell and James St. James. And this week, you know, we're counting down the top 10 music videos that make us go wow in honor, really, I suppose, of MTV and the, the video music awards, even though they don't really play music videos anymore. But, but they but, still have the show. And it's Sunday. Exactly. And before the break, I asked which was the first music video, I was going to say ever, but really of the modern era, because, you know, you have the Beatles and things of that nature doing amazing visual films. So what do you think it was, guys? Let's see. It's not Buggles, because that would be too obvious. Video killed the radio. Somewhere. Right. It's not Bowie, because we've already co- covered that. It's, is it Madness? Is it uh, not Our House, but that other one where they sort of do that walk thing that they do? I'm going to wanna... guess... Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, oh my! You've been googling. No, I just—I wasn't going to go for Nancy Sinatra. These boots are made for walking, which she made '66. But that didn't seem modern, like you know, Bohemian Rhapsody from '75 or whatever. 1975, Bohemian yeah. Rhapsody. Yes. Queen. Um, Bruce Gowers directed it. Guess what the budget was? Ten dollars. <laughs> Five thousand. 
Wow. 5,000. They made it in three hours. Wow. And part of the reason was apparently they couldn't sing. They couldn't do it live because of all the layered vocals. Sure. Et cetera. And the way they got, you know, do you remember that shot? There's a great shot where you see uh, Freddie Mercury and his sort of echo of his reflection goes off into infinity, which is just a sort of perfect visual accompaniment of all those layered vocals. And I was like, how did you do that? And he said, oh, you know, we just pointed the camera into a TV monitor. (laughs) (laughs) So they did it. They started at 7.30. They were done by 10.30, and they were in the pub. We are spending far too much time and money on making our television, you guys. We need to dumb it down. That's right. So let's carry on with our countdown. We're up to number seven. Tom. Number seven. I decree that the best music video is Britney Spears' Toxic. Okay. Of course. Now, it's not her first video, obviously. And she, again, to me, we talked about Paula last break, last act. It's Britney is maybe the last superstar who became a superstar because she was a music video MTV launched artist. Um, And, you know, oops, I did it again. There were so many great things. Toxic to me, which was 2004. Um, off her uh, in the in the zone album um, was kind of Britney at her peak. It was pre scandal Britney. It was pre breakdown Britney, and so you didn't have any of that sort of garbage in your mind when you were watching her. She was just sexy and coquettish and innocent and dirty. Um, it was directed by Joseph Kahn, and just you guys, you, I know you remember it, but she she delivers like four iconic Britney looks because this is her on, and it also feels like an epic action adventure movie in three and a half minutes. So like, why go to the movies after this video? Um, but she's blonde, sexy, futuristic stewardess Britney who like spills a drink on a guy's lap and then wakes <laughs> it up, and then she has she wanted and, and supposedly these were her ideas. She came to to the director with this, and she wanted to join the uh, high club, and it was his idea to make the guy fat and ugly so she makes out with the fat and ugly guy and then he rips off his face like mission impossible and he's this gorgeous model i forget his name now and then she lands because it's a super epic uh, tale and she's in kind of a futuristic paris she is a red hair with black you know bodysuit, and she is on a mission uh, with Tyson Beckford shirtless on a motorcycle, and then she breaks into something to steal the toxic material, and she does that crazy dance and flip through the the room of lasers. <laughs> right, uh-huh. it's so iconic. And then she's black haired Britney, and then she's uh, she's she's scaling a building, you know, with suction cups to get to her cheating boyfriend's house to <laughs> feed him the, the 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 poison toxic and kill him, but in an MTV friendly way. The kids are watching, <laughs> and but all those images are mind blowing and stay with me forever but the thing that stays in our minds on top of everything else is that Brittany requested she wanted to be encrusted in diamonds whether she used the word encrusted I don't know <laughs> but she wanted to be encrusted with diamonds and she has that nude bodysuit mm. with the diamonds and she's right. rolling around oh, yes. and just take a moment to think of that I want to be encrusted in diamonds <laughs> <laughs> I think we all do mm. what do you guys think of that video I... did it make an impression well Brittany definitely like there's something so I I, for me, I think what was so revolutionary was the air stewardess outfit. Yes. Making out with the fat guy. I think that is so genius and brilliant. I sort of think they ruined it when he has to turn into a hot guy. Because I think I love the idea of this wet dream of everyone's just going for the fat, ugly guy. I mean, he's not <laughs> actually not that bad anyway. But just that idea that because it's so much more democratic. Well, she he, is available for all of us. He, in, exactly, yes. In all yes. of our fantasies. and. Plus, anything on an airplane, I just love. <laughs> I just think, you know, 
air hostesses. It's the sort of, who are they? Are they the Marines of our time? They're, they're some sort of, the, the, the role they play in society is like they're carting around these awful people in planes and just having to sort of put up with the most banal, hideous behaviors while being glamorous. So it's like <laughs> walking a catwalk and having dirty diapers thrown at you. I think they're true heroes, you know? Um, thinking of 10cc's uh, I'm Mandy Fly Me. You know, there's been great songs about air crashes and air hostesses. So that's just a personal, not a fetish, but a little, it just had me from that moment on. James, what do you? Well, I just, to me, it was that sort of the baton was being passed and it felt like we were really, like, all of a sudden we were seeing the possibility of what Britney could bring to the table and she really was the next queen of music videos and she was just it it was that moment where we realized just how great britney could be yeah from whom to whom was the battle from madonna i mean yeah i I mean we madonna's time was over well fun fact the (laughs) b-side was uh me against the music madonna Uh, their duet so it absolutely was a Mm -hmm. moment you're right the other interesting fact is that the song which is also it's an amazing song it is an amazing song and you know you've said before ben we've talked how different music in different eras kind of represent the different drugs of the time and i think 2003 toxic with that like that incredible hook that just gets into your head it's very crystal meth is it (laughs) (laughs) it's up all night with with britney right um but it was the song was originally offered to kylie minogue Oh. Who passed on it? Who to this day wakes up? I should have known. Um, and the other kind of fun fact is it it was released just around the time of the Justin Janet Super Bowl Nipplegate debacle, oh. Oh. and so MTV, which produced that halftime show, had to pull way back. And this was another one of those videos that was only played after 10 p.m. Out of respect <laughs> for the children, redonkulous, right? Yeah. But uh, that's my that's my number uh, seven, you guys. Toxic Britney Spears. And what have we got, James, at number six, six, six? Number six. Marilyn Manson, The Beautiful People. And once again, this is one of those videos that sort of symbolizes that we are in a new age, where all of a sudden it feels like a cog has turned in the giant cosmic glockenspiel in the sky, (laughs) where all of a sudden we are in a new era. With this video, you talk about like how uh, it's sort of a new drug for a new new era. And this is where we go from the cocaine go-go 80s into like that sort of special K heroin. <laughs> like all of a sudden things have gotten dark and they've gotten dirty. And they've, we, we, we're, we're they've gotten toxic. <laughs> they, they've gotten toxic. Um, we have sort of this feeling with this video. There's like the, there's all this sort of surgical fetishness. There's these like military garbs popping up. And this... Uh, we realize that even if we don't know consciously, but sort of I think humanity is really realizing that there's this coming technological age that's about to happen. And there's, you know, we're about to, the machines are about to take over. And this is sort of that coming, that lurking dread that is, that he's tapping into that we're all feeling. This is, this is 96. This is when, uh, you know, we're starting to get personal computers. We're starting to get cell phones. We're starting to get the, the, you know, the internet is a word that's buzz buzzing. And we're all sort of feeling a little terrified that we're standing on the precipice of something that we can't control. We're just starting to send nude pictures of ourselves out. Exactly. 
Also, after the excess of the 80s, uh, we were stripping everything back in fashion and music. And it was, it was about deconstruction. It was about uh, grunge. It was about, it, it, after all of the, the conspicuous consumption of everything. When you're dealing with, with deconstruction and when you're dealing with pulling everything back, how can you go over the top with that? Uh-huh. And he was the one who sort of realized that, 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 you, can, that you can terrify us and that that's uh, sort of where you were standing with that one. Terrifying is a great word because this music video terrifies me. And the music... Well, I don't know if you remember that when um, he played at the VMAs, afterwards, Chris Rock was the host, and after they performed, he said, hide, run, go to church, (laughs) like something. Like, like, remember, he was just... And and the whole audience was just slack-jawed. It just terrified the whole world. And it just felt like that, that now this is what the 90s are about. He really did bring... You know, he was a sort of visual pioneer, right? I mean... I, I the video I love of his is the Dope Show video that oh. came a couple of years later, and um, you know with um, I love that line: "Cops and queers make good-looking models." There was basically cops and queers make good-looking models, and and they're all in pink. I mean, it was just it was so transgressive and silly at the same time, which somehow made it perhaps like clowns even more scary. Something well, interestingly enough, he used to come to Disco 2000 oh, beforehand. Well, that and explains yeah, a What was lot. Disco 2000? Disco 2000 was a nightclub in, in New York. And he he the ripped club kids off were. your look. <laughs> well, he would come and Michael said that, he, I don't remember him, but Michael said that he remembers him. And Michael Ailey. Michael Ailey. Okay. And Michael would give him drink tickets and everything, and he remembers how nice the club kids were to him. And he says that he got a lot of his ideas. Mm. It was sort of what when I remember when we saw the video for Beautiful People, and it was what we were all doing, but he had taken it a step further, and it was what we all wanted. And he so he had come to the club and he had seen the club kids, and then he took that cyber goth fetish wear thing and took it a step further. I think what he did though was extract the fun from it and the sort of irony and just twist it up a little bit a notch, just make it Truly dark, because everything was so sort of playful and knowing, I felt, about Disco 2000. So it was dark, but not really, you know. And I think he just removed the, the, the sort of the joke that let people know it was safe. And, and with that, went out and terrorized America. Exactly. Power exactly. to him. Well, you know, for me, at number five... Number five. Actually keeping in the same vein of the 90s and it suddenly getting very dark... It's got to be Madonna. I mean, you know, I'm surprised we've gotten this far in the program without really, without really mentioning Madonna. And she's done many great music videos. Uh, but for me, just the favorite is Erotica. And mm. I suppose That's interesting. it's a bold choice. That's very yeah. interesting. And you have to sort of set it up because it's well, not Justify My Love, right. which I thought it was at first. I had mm. to be brought back to love, the moment. Justify My Love, which was, which was banned, by well, the way. You know, yes. In the history of music videos yeah. and the history of Madonna, those are not things that I would have chosen for either one. Well, so, and, and I think that's precisely that. It's not all singing, all dancing, lots of costumes, lots of visual extravaganza. Both videos are really, in some ways, very stripped down. And they're part of her sort of talking phase. Instead of trying to, like, <laughs> pinky-perky, like, hit the notes, she was very much like, know, just giving <laughs> attitude. And frankly, it was much more sexy, I felt, than any of her cavorting antics like a virgin, which you don't want to fuck like a virgin. You just don't feel like it. But erotica, oh, my gosh. You know, especially when she's like, I'm Mistress Dita. I'll be your mistress tonight. And, and just that sort of give it up and do as I say 
this is really who she is. She really wants us to be her bitch. And she really <laughs> likes to <laughs> dominate us. And we're quite happy to be her bottoms. I mean, of course. <laughs> and this reduces it too lead. much. But it, it's kind of mm. like her sex book, yes. the video. Oh, well, exactly. It came out with the sex book, quite right. And was filmed, shockingly, in, in Super 8. A lot of it was filmed in Super 8. People at, didn't do that at, at that At the Gaiety, right? At, James, I was going to cue you. Tell <laughs> us about the gaiety. The gaiety was a club in Times Square. It was a stripper, a strip club, and yeah. I think we talked about it on strip this. club. Yeah, we've talked about it on the we show have, before. But where there's it always was, more to say <laughs> on the second floor above the Howard Johnsons. I remember there was pictures of dirty, of like black and white, kind of like culty pictures of guys above Howard Johnsons, <laughs> <laughs> and it was dongs out. It was hard ons <laughs> were allowed. It was anything goes. It was you could touch the the, the merchandise. It it was a seedy, seedy, seedy place. Truly yeah. seedy. And amazing that, that she, a superstar, shot it there, you know? With some of the boys from the actual boys from the club. And also, yeah. in the video, I didn't, I'd forgotten that she was making out with Isabella Rossellini. On the beach. On the I'd beach. I'd forgotten about that, too. Naomi Campbell makes a little kind of half-naked appearance. And Udo Kier from who we, who we would Udo, later who we see love. Uh-huh. Sort of, I, I think also, though, I love the way MTV... Really, she she beat MTV at their own game because they really didn't want to show this video. It really was a bit much. And I just remember waiting for it to air on MTV and Kurt Loder, who was then the anchor person, coming on in a slightly strangled, pinched voice talking about themes that the audience might find upsetting or even repulsive. And it only showed after like 1 p.m. 1 a.m. After 10.30 oh, at, at night. 10 and but only three times. Three times. They only wow. ever aired it three times. So Fenton has unearthed this for us, I think. You can go and look on well, it I just, re- I just remember being transfixed watching this moment. I mean, I, I just think she engineered the premiere. I mean, of course, music video premieres became a thing. But I feel among them, this was really one of the most epic. And can I just say, if we're going on our drug music theme, the idea that every song has a kind of a drug yeah. thing, ecstasy. Oh, yes. <laughs> I want to touch people. I want you to rub my head. And yet, even when you, but if you look at it now, it's really not, it's a little tame. If, by, if Rihanna did this video, it would be for kids today. You know, it's, <laughs> it's tame by comparison. Okay, so we've got to take another break. So it's time for another trivia question. Okay. Very easy, I'm afraid. What was the first video ever played by MTV? We'll be right back with the answer after the break. This is Radio Andy, Sirius XM. You're listening to The Wow Report. You're listening to World of Wonders, Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to The Wow Report. I am Fender Bailey, uh, happily joined here by James St. James, Tom Campbell, and Blake Jacobs, our producer. Hey. Hi. We are counting down the top 10 videos that made us go, wow, the, the, the really videos that changed our lives because there's so many videos. But before the break, I asked a very easy question, which was, what was the first video that MTV ever played? Who doesn't know the answer? Yeah, because I, I, I was there. I remember that I was, <laughs> as, it, as the MTV opened, I, was, I remember seeing that first video, that first minute that it happened. So I, I know this, but yes, go ahead, Tom. Video Kill the Radio Star. Yes. Directed by Russell Mulcahy, who also did uh, the Durant. D-Wolf. Yes. <laughs> it all comes together. <laughs> Do you know, I mean, I just got to say, the interesting thing, I mean, Buggles didn't have many hits after that, but it was such did a... Did they have pre- any? It was, it was they such a prescient. They had, like, Plastic Age or something. But Trevor Horn, who was in the Buggles, genius of our times, the most epic producer, he produced... Um, and it isn't just producing, like making a pre. He he really shaped Frankie goes to Hollywood. 
Wow. Do they know it's Christmas? <gasps> Art of noise. Ah. Buffalo Girls oh. go around the outside. Slave to the rhythm. Wow. And tattoo all the things she said. I mean, the guy is is just a genius. And one of my favorites, Dollar, but no one really knows Dollar. But um Well, and do you know the second video played on MTV? Ooh. Ooh. Oh. Like, Pat Benatar's You Better Run. Oh. You better how oh. That was my um, share doing Batman. <laughs> Do you also know that Video Killed the Radio Star was the millionth video played on MTV in 2000? They're so clever, those MTV people. <laughs> so who was counting, really? Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> what's at number four? Number four. I am a sucker for a story song. I am a sucker for a story video. And I think one of the best, and in rewatching it in preparation for today's show, Waterfalls by TLC, okay. which came out in 1995, it still brings a tear to my eye. And um, TLC, amazing group, uh, and it had lots of success. Waterfalls was like the third single off their Sexy, Crazy, Cool album, which is the best name for an album ever. Mm. Um, and there was all this resistance about doing the video. People weren't that into it. It was kind of a Prince-inspired beat. Um and, you know, it's a story song, and it's about a mother, two stories, a mother trying to convince her son, you know, not to sell drugs and chasing after him. And you see him in the rearview mirror of the car as he pulls away. And then you see him in like, a drug deal that goes back and he gets killed. And you see her kind of like, you know, her image kind of uh, superimposed on the scene trying to get him. And then he dies and she bursts into tears. And then the second part, and this again is 95, is a guy who's having sex and he's really hot and he's having sex with this girl and, and he doesn't use his rubber and she's had many partners it's all sort of symbolized and he, one day he looks in the mirror and doesn't recognize the man he sees three little letters took him to his final resting place yes AIDS and it sounds so corny but it, it's, it's so beautiful and the girls are standing in water it's sort of like this Terminator 2 technology they, they, they go from being kind of standing in water and being reflected in the sea to being actually like liquefied drops of water in front of a, a waterfall. It sounds corny when I explain it, but when you guys see it and you guys remember it, it was kind of amazing. And the the last uh, the last act is uh is that the mother is kind of walking home, the mother of the kid, the drug kid, and she's walking home and she's just walking oblivious with her groceries alone in the world and her son, the ghost of her son, the image of him comes trying to hug her, trying to get oh. her attention, but it's too late, he's gone. So don't go chasing waterfalls, people. Don't go chasing waterfalls. Wasn't it one of the most expensive videos at the time? I think it was. Right, maybe it and was. that that uh, Terminator Two Terminator technology. I remember that being like super cutting edge at yes, the time. That and now tech. looking yeah. back, it's like, I mean, it's amazing for then, but like now with like CGI dinosaurs and Jurassic World, it's kind of like whoa. Yes, and I read they shot the whole thing at the Universal Studios because I was always wondering, are they really in water? Are they not in water? Where are they? What island oh. are they on? They're probably in a water tank at Universal <laughs> Studios <laughs> and the back lot with where all that you know crazy crime happens is the back lot of Universal. But um, what do you guys think of that video? I do remember just that that singing about AIDS in a pop song. It it was very it was jarring. It was a weird juxtaposition. Nobody was really doing it, and it felt it. Every time that those three those three little letters HIV took him to his final resting place, it caught you a little yeah. bit off guard, and you you it, you gasped yeah. a little bit when they said it. You know, Clive Davis did not want to make the song. He didn't want to make the video because he didn't think that. It says on Mike.com, 
Apparently, he did not think that a song that portrays the devastation of AIDS on the body so graphically would hit on MTV. It, it was, it, like I said, it was it was jarring and it was hard to watch. Mm. It was hard to but hear. But it wasn't just a hit. It was became their signature song. And I remember how beautiful it trans, you know, that watching it sort of transfixed you. And it played in heavy rotation when we were all watching MTV. It made quite an impact. But I got, what does it mean not? Chasing waterfalls. Well, that, that's something that I always struggled with too. <laughs> it's sort of like don't go chasing your dreams because it, it, it was sort of. Like, and I always kept saying, no, you should go chase waterfalls. You should go out there and chase your dreams. But they were saying that sometimes the it's... well, don't go over the Niagara Falls in a barrel. I think there's <laughs> <laughs> stick to the rules. And I just want to I want to give credit to the director F. Gary Gray, who has gone on to do Straight Outta Compton. He's doing The Fast and Furious. He's oh. an African American director. Um, he did Fridays, the classic movie. He did Set It Off, which he did. Pinkett and Queen Latifah, plus the negotiator and Italian job. I mean, he's an amazing director, and so mm. many of our, the directors of our time cut their teeth doing music videos. Absolutely. Number three. Ra, ra, ooh, la, la. We have Lady Gaga, Bad Romance. Mm. Bringing it all back home again. We have art, fashion, and music once again together in one place. And we've got the synchronized dancing. We've got the fabulous Alice, Alexander McQueen outfits. We've got those armadillo shoes. Remember, <laughs> we have all the, the just the mm. looks and everything about it was just jaw-dropping and, and, and over the top. It was... Um, uh, like Madonna, we were seeing somebody who was taking the medium and reinventing it and reinventing herself over and over again. It was the uh, we talk about the baton being passed to Britney. It was now being passed to Gaga. It was everything and more. It was shocking. It was fabulous. It was herald- bringing us into the new decade. And what kind of drug was this? What kind of drug was this? Uh, it was all of them. It was an incredible <laughs> it was, cocktail. Uh, yes, it was a kitchen cocktail. I mean, it was 2009. It was the lead single off of her new album. You know, the Lady Gaga phenomenon had sort of bubbled up from 2007, 2009. It was this, you know, from that crazy girl with the wig and the glasses on the Jimmy Kimmel show. And she just kept sort of surprising us. And I remember the anticipation for this video. I, I can't remember the exact stat, but I think it, like, got a million or 100 million views in, like, an hour and a half or something crazy. And Francis Lawrence is the director who's done so many epic music music videos but it really was in a time when videos really weren't played on mtv right. it said that same kind of like all of a sudden videos were in again yeah. well, was, i was gonna was... say as a genre the music video was in decline record mm-hmm. companies weren't prepared to underwrite the budgets for them and really the whole music video had kind of gone away and this was a huge throwback wasn't it it, it, was, it was a last hurrah really because it wasn't really sadly a new beginning for the music video, it was really a sort of a, a last ride. But then all of a sudden, everybody else, you know, like you had Beyonce upping her looks and Katy Perry upping her looks and everything. And you had uh, Gaga, who was doing these sort of DIY, do-it-yourself, club kitty looks, yep. all of a sudden taking it to yes. another level. And she was, like, utilizing fashion and utilizing, you know, uh, Alexander McQueen. And she has sort of, like, she stepped up her game, and she forced everybody else to step up their games, too. And all of a sudden, Miley and Katie and Beyonce and Nicki Minaj all had to go a little crazier in order to keep up with the times. And talking about being diamond encrusted, there's that great moment where Gaga is she is sort of surrounded by levitating crystals. Yes. Like mm, sort of, mm-hmm. And you get this sort of fabulous 360 of these crystals hanging in midair, and she's sort of at the center of it. It was, I mean, it was the state of the art encrusted in diamonds situation, I felt that was. And then right after that, she was encrusted in pearls. Do you remember those that she did? She was all covered in pearls. Yeah. Was a little, on, on the red, red carpet, carpet. Yeah. Uh-huh. at the MTV at the VMAs, I think is what it was. 
Well, you know, for my number two... Number two. I was going to take us back in time again to the early days of the music video when life was so much simpler. And it's uh, Stand and Deliver by Adam Ants. Ant Music. I'm the dandy highwayman who you're too scared to mention. Yes. The devil take your stereo and your record collection. (laughs) I don't know if everyone remembers this. Tom, do you remember? I have to once again confess the first time I saw this video was this morning. Where were you? you, I I was, I don't know, watching Diana Ross. 1981. So again, um, just before MTV. I mean, literally months before MTV launched. And I looked at it again, Tom, the other day, and I was like, oh, it's not quite the way I remember no, it. No, <laughs> don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. But it's great. He leaps off a tree. He's prancing around. It was actually also the time, and I think this is significant, when Sony Walkmans had just were just penetrating the, the market. Sure. And so the people in their carriage, who the dandy highwayman, who's adamant, he, he, he takes his stereo. His, he's wearing a Walkman. The guy who he robs is wearing a, a Walkman. It's and he he uh, the other great thing sorry in the video is he crashes through a stained glass window and um, it's just sort of very piratey and very camp and uh, it's clearly sort of sort of new romantic with all that historical costume and thing but also slightly ridiculous you know but the th- the thing is is once again we're show we're, this is a pretty boy he's a very very yes, pretty boy I was reminded of a, that he's a pretty boy in makeup. <laughs> And he's a pretty boy wearing these fabulous outfits. And we we're seeing that men can be a part of fashion too. That men can be over the top. And it was one of the. It was a lightning bolt that hit me. I remember it debuted on the late, late, late show. Yeah. Uh, in uh, Tom, what was his name? He was smoking. Tom Snyder. Tom Snyder. Yes, <laughs> he was on Tom Snyder. And I snuck up. I, I was supposed to be in bed, and I remember sneaking up, turning the the TV on to like really low so I could watch it, and just being blown away by the imagery that I saw of this boy. And it was, I, I just realized that the 80s were going to be about pretty boys and makeup and fabulous outfits. You know, a little, a little known fact about Adamant that I love is that he was involved early on with uh, Malcolm McLaren. Oh. He, Malcolm McLaren, being the genius behind the Sex Pistols and obviously the sort of pioneer auteur of punk. Well, Malcolm McLaren dropped Adamant, but Adamant was so upset and determined. He went to Malcolm McLaren and said, give me some ideas. I will pay you. And that's where the whole pirate and music, two dramas thing came from. So not only did Malcolm McLaren invent punk, he also invented new romanticism that came after it. So just because I didn't get it stirred my memory of Adam Ant, which is limited, but he is beautiful. Yes. Mm. And it is that man with makeup thing that Mm -hmm. was so seductive and so part of that era. And I didn't realize the group was Adam and the Ants. I wasn't really aware of him until he was this Adam Ant. He dropped the Ants and taken their last name. But do you remember, I remember my memory because they're all connected through Diana Ross, was when the the Motown 25th anniversary and they hired him in 83 to sing Where Did Our Love Go, but kind of in a new romantic punk way. And Diana Ross, who may have been drunk that night, um, um, like, like, came on stage like a spider woman and danced behind him. Am I the only one who remembers this? <laughs> yes, Tom. I missed the only it. one. Should, like, let's put that on the YouTube playlist. And he was quite—he was dating Jamie Lee Curtis, Heather Graham. He was—he was quite the ladies' man there. Heather for a while. Graham. He, in fact, yes. the, his song in the '90s. What was his big hit? Um, uh, Prince Charming. Goody no, 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 two, two shoes. Goody two shoes. We're googling. Please, please, please hold. Yes. 
Yeah. Wait, wait, I just looked it up. It's wonderful. 1995, Adamant. That's about Heather Graham. He, that before she became famous, he wrote the song about this girl that he had broken up with, and that's how Heather Graham actually became a star. Was that she was the the girl from the song? Well, Amanda Donahoe is in um, Stand and Deliver. She was his girlfriend at the time. I know her from L.A. Law. I right. Her in L.A. Law. Uh, last fun fact about this video, directed by who do we think? <gasps> Russell McKay. Full circle, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Okay, we got to take a quick break, and we'll be back with our number one music video of all time. I wonder what it is. This is the Wow Report on Radio Andy, Sirius XM. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton Bailey with Tom Campbell, James St. James, and a little bit of Blake Jacobs here too. Uh, We've been counting down the top 10 music videos of all time. Okay, before we reveal our number one, let's do a quick countdown. At number 10, Straight Up by Paula Abdul. At number nine, Rio, Duran Duran. Number eight, Ashes to Ashes, David Bowie. At number seven, Toxic, Britney Spears. At number six, Beautiful People, Marilyn Manson. Number five, Erotica, Madonna. Number four, Waterfalls, TLC. Number three, Bad Romance, Lady Gaga. And number two, Stand and Deliver, Adam and the Ads. <laughs> sure. Society Highwaymen. So, guys, what is uh, number one? Number one. Well, this is a music video that I think is fair to say changed all of our lives personally and professionally and we're very lucky to have with us the co-director of this video flown in from the fourth floor and this video is rupaul's supermodel from 1993 and fenton bailey along with randy who's not here directed that video and you know fairness to fenton james and i insisted this be number one um i had no idea i'm so surprised (laughs) surprised but it is a video that if you're not if if you're queer it was an amazing moment right it was the early 90s i always say this it was a sort of a dark time we talked about tlc and aids and all that kind of stuff and bursting into the mainstream which mtv was mainstream if you were a you know a kid was this Seven foot nine blonde glamazon at the you know just when supermodels were becoming everything here was one that was like this glamazon beyond the supermodel and full of light and joy and camp and it was punk and it was fashion and it was beautiful and this song is so catchy to this day you know the reason Randy and I directed ended up directing the video is. A little bit uh, anticlimactic in the sense that um, the record label didn't want to make a video. And we're like, you've got, you can't have a song called Supermodel without a video. What? WTF? So they gave us a few coins. And we were like, okay, we'll direct it because, you know, we have no budget. We couldn't go to uh, Mark Romanek or Russell Mulcahy and said, please direct this video for nothing. Um, but it was so much fun. And and the sort of the idea for it was, was mahogany. I mean, it's a huge sort of tribute to mahogany and rue was we didn't have a honey wagon or any kind of like place to do makeup like literally we would put up a cloth and just hide behind a blanket on the street because <laughs> that was the other thing all the locations that we did couldn't do this today we didn't do a permit we just went down just grab the filmmaking because yes. the fountain what, in central Park, yes or? well it was the end of the day we were running out of light running out of time and Rue grabbed these schoolgirls on their way home. I mean, in and that's uniform. where that shot yes. comes from. He just corralled them and said, here, get here, get here, do a shot. And one of those little girls is uh, Beverly Johnson's daughter, oh, as it know. turns out. 
And then after that, we did the fountain scene in homage to Diana Ross Mahogany. And of course, that would have to be the last scene of the day because there would be no more makeup and wigs, all done by Matthew and Zoldi. Fabulous, fabulous visuals. But we got Rue in the fountain without permission. But wait a minute, but but that mahogany scene is an homage to Anita Ekberg in Eight and a Half, isn't it? Echo, echo. Okay. (laughs) It's homage, homage, homage. Lady Gaga. It's like, you know, layer on top of layer and redo, redo, redo. Yeah. And he cavorted in the fountain, Rue cavorted in the fountain until police hauled him away. I mean, you couldn't do that today because they would just shoot you. There's a moment in the video you see where Rue's like his wig's half off and he's yes. kind of like cut like a yes. cut it off. <laughs> We're done. Which I've seen that before. The, I mean, the thing about the video too and the visuals and the language, RuPaul burst onto the scene fully formed, like Dolly Parton. Like he was like this fully formed character and it's you know there's Shantae perfume there's Sachet the magazine he's doing his best mommy dearest Joan Crawford impersonation at the end again the opening starts talking about the Brewster projects which is Diana Ross's story and then Ebony Fashion magazine came along it's the mahogany story it is the myth of RuPaul was born and and perfectly articulated in that video and it's so beautiful to look at still so thank you Fenton and Randy Thank you, Rue. When you were filming this, did everyone know Rue? Like at the time? No. No, but remember she had been in the B-52s video and that she caused a huge commotion. I, I, I remember very famously. Love Shack. Yeah, she was in Love Shack. Yeah. And um, it was all, you know, all the gays were talking about RuPaul being in the B-52s videos. And I remember saying at the time, uh, well, this is it for Rue. She better be, you know, be, she better be thankful because this is as far as a drag queen is ever gonna go. And you know, this this is the pinnacle of her career right there. But I remember it was a big deal for her to be in that um, Love Shack video. And so for this, to, it, for her to actually get a video of her own, it was huge at the time. And also when you talk about how she was fully formed, that Matthew was Matthew yes, had done Matthew the makeup Anderson. and the wig, Zaldi had done the outfits. Yes. So all the elements of classic Rue that we know for the RuPaul show and and Drag Race were all there in the very beginning. So it's all all perfectly formed, as you say, and it's, it's served to us as a souffle fully cooked. Oh my gosh, you guys, I wish you could just keep going, but we've run out of... No Kaja Gugu? <laughs> Next time. I know. And, well, she's a bitch, Missy Elliott. I mean, there Wait, are, where's Missy Elliott? Yes. Are, there are so many great videos. In fact, if you go to the WOW report, worldofwonder.net slash Radio Andy, you can see all the videos in today's top 10 and a playlist of many more worthy videos that were unfairly excluded. So thanks for tuning in. Thank you, James. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Blake. Until next time, go out and do something that makes the world go wow! wow.